Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Brian House, and you're listening to the Work For It podcast. Our primary focus is business in the workshop. And if you want us to see and discuss your work, use the hashtag WFI Projects on Instagram, and we will shout you out and your projects. Did you know you can support our work for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year? Go to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That's like a burrito. I love burritos. One. Hey, what's happening, everybody? It's Brian House here for the Work Forward Podcast. You are listening to us on a Thursday morning. Hopefully, you're doing all of the fantastic, fun things you've got going on in your workshops or at your day jobs or at your side hustles or whatever you're doing. I'm joined, as always, with... I don't know what what do we call you, Brian? Is it like not a co-host or a uh, you know partner? I'm, I'm, I'm just that jackass you let uh, on the podcast from time to time. I like jackass. This is a good. Hey, go, uh, this go, is go. a good one. You named yourself this. What are we gonna uh, do? What I, am I doing? Oh my what are you goodness! Doing? Stop it now. <laughs> and we have somebody else in the studio. Brian, would you like to introduce? Sure. This is a gentleman I actually got to meet in person this past week, Matt Gentry. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Matt Gentry of Gentry Custom Knives. You got it. You got it. That's the one right there. Just look up. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look up your. Um, I'm gonna go directly to your OnlyFans page right now. <laughs> well, don't share that this with up. everybody, guys. Okay, oh. that's supposed to be kind of a secret. All right. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh man. Jeez. All right. Well, hey, listen, Ben couldn't make it uh, this morning. I barely made it here. Yeah. So you're battling traffic, I heard. What's going on with now, that? Let me explain something to you. So I live in South Florida where it very rarely falls below 60 degrees. And this morning it was a balmy 50 degrees. So what oh, happens is, and it's, and it's raining. So the trek I make from my house to my workshop is about 17 miles. And in that 17 mile trek, there were three rollover accidents Jeez. and uh, three of them. For what last reason? Night, like literally too. It, you can't even have ice at 50 degrees. What are they? No, rolling there's no over ice. It, it's the, it's, you know, I attribute it to just, we have a lot of tourists here right now. So mm. there's just, it's a lot of people who are not used to being here. They're distracted drivers and last night, get com- coming home, so we were leaving the shop early. We left about 4.30 because we had dinner plans last night. 
And uh, on our way home, unfortunately, there was a like a work truck that had flipped over on the northbound side of 75. So we're heading southbound and we got a front row seat to this guy. And you know what Milwaukee um, pack out toolboxes look like? They're like red and they all stack up, yeah. kind of they click together. Those were all over the street. Like, like this truck must have flipped. It had a trailer filled with those tools and it was just all over the road. And I felt terrible for the guy. He looked fine. He was standing, you know, outside of the truck, kind of looking at everything or whatever. But, um, yeah, that just caused, like, a huge backup. And so we were late last night. I was late this morning. I'll tell you what. If you're driving, a podcast is the best way to entertain yourself. Do not be looking (laughs) at your phone. Jesus, I swear. I think this is what people are doing. You know, they get stuck in traffic. And, of course... Now there's other accidents that are caused by this other, you know, there's all this rubbernecking going on. So now people are hitting each other on the other. It's just people. Listen, do not look at your stuff. And Brian, you're very conscientious of this, by the way. You're always telling me like, hey, I'm I'm driving, right, man. I can't really talk too long on the phone or whatever. And I totally respect that. I think it's great. Yeah, it's just something I forget. Maybe there was a person in high school that, you know, gotten a really bad wreck and you know basically just talking on the phone not paying attention and ever since it kind of stuck with me even when i have like my phone you know up and away and i have it on speaker or i'm talking through a headset you know even then like it's just like yeah you know yeah i don't i don't want to be talking while i'm driving you know i hear you man especially up by where you guys are because you're both in michigan and i i grew up in that same latitude it's it's a risky endeavor if it's <laughs> driving anywhere. I don't care if it's July. It's just risky up there because the potholes and, and the snow. And I mean, in August, you guys have snow piles like four feet high in the in the ditches because it just never melts. It's like perma permafrost Michigan up there. It's <laughs> never ending. Matt, we only have a couple like three, four inches here. How bad is it down your area? Because I think you guys got it a lot worse than we did. We got pounded the other day with snow, actually. And it's like. You know, you just get used to it up here. It's like you get, well, as long as you got a four-wheel drive truck, you know, the other day we got probably 10, 11 inches of snow and I decided to go fishing that day and it made it to where there was nobody else in my fishing spot. It was beautiful out. You know, you just got to roll with the punches, you know? Did you catch anything? Oh, absolutely not. And I froze my, oh gosh, it was cold. <laughs> Is this ice fishing you're doing or what, what, what are you No, doing? I do a lot of like uh, winter steelhead fishing. Um ah on the rivers here all winter long so you know you wade out i had waders on and you know the waters there's ice chunks you know floating down the river (laughs) yeah seriously and uh you know so you can only go out there for maybe an hour at a time before your toes get frozen and hope to get lucky and and catch one but man it was so cold my you know the eyelets and my rod was freezing up and oh it was bad it was bad but you gotta, you know, you gotta find something like that in the winter to get out of the shop and, uh, you know, stay sane. You know, I'm with you. I, I, right around this time of year when I lived in Illinois, I'd had, I had really bad seasonal affected disorder or affectedness disorder, whatever it is, where I would just get depressed. You know, because you hadn't seen the sun in a while and yes. you know it's cold and you're not outside. And the only thing that kept me sane was working in my workshop. We, I didn't do a lot of fishing where I was because there wasn't a lot of unfrozen water you know there's not a lot of running water in illinois like we don't we didn't have we have rivers but they freeze over you know they're just did you do any ice fishing or no 
Yeah, I've done I, I've done a lot of fishing. I, I don't know if you know, but I was a, a boat captain for a lot of years, and I took people fishing for a living. So I took, you know, I did it as a side hustle, really. But uh, in uh, Florida, that, that's right? down not, here in Florida. Yeah, 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 in Florida. Yeah, but where, I love. Did, I didn't mean to uh, cut you off there, but where did you say you're at in Florida? I, I mean, I don't know if you mind sharing. No, no, yeah, no. I'm in uh, my my workshop is in Fort Myers, which, if you can imagine, the uh, the state of Florida looks like a big dick and balls, right? So you got this yep. big shaft that hangs down. I'm sort of like under the tip somewhere on the left side, yeah. So that's like far south as you can go, all the way on the west coast of Florida. Okay, okay. Because my we've my family has a little place uh, over in Jupiter, so kind of directly mm. across from you, pretty much. So. I've been down there quite a few times fishing and hanging out. And so I kind of know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. The fishing here is excellent. The, the one thing I think, uh, people think of when they think of Florida fishing, they think of like offshore going out, uh, catching, uh, mackerel tuna and, um, you know, Wahoo and all that. That's mostly the East coast, you know, the state of Florida on the Gulf side, is relatively shallow and most people don't know that you could be a hundred miles offshore and be in 20 feet of water so you're so a lot, you, know, you did you, a lot of like snook and redfish stuff like that's that exactly or? right yeah, yeah yeah i was a i had a bay boat so we would run people nice. on the inside and there you know if you went out about five miles there was artificial reefs that the county that i live in would go they would take like big piles of boulders and rocks and they would dump them off and then you know, in about four or five years, they would create kind of an artificial reef that would fill up with fish. Um, and that's fun, too. But the, you know, my focus was always inshore fishing because I could put people on fish and, you know, we'd always come home with a cooler full of fish if we did right. inshore. Offshore is a kind of a crapshoot. You know, you really got to know what you're looking for. And uh, I just wasn't as um, as experienced with offshore stuff. So, but Well, and on I the like golf it. side, you've got to go way out, right? Like you yeah. got to run way out to get deep water, right? Yeah. 200 miles at least, Holy you know, cow. Th- that's yeah. where these guys are going. Yeah. So they're my father-in-law up until just a few days ago had an, a really nice offshore boat and <clears throat> you know, he would run out a hundred miles to go after these grouper and you know, half the time come back with nothing, you know, wow. that's a lot of fuel, a lot of time, a lot of energy just to go out, look for a, look for a fish. But if, you know, Hey man, I could leave the Marina and in five minutes, we got fish on, you know, where that's, that's to me, that's the fun time. So absolutely. So do you still have a boat or no? No, I sold my boat, uh, ran, I ran the cheetah for, I had that boat. It was in my family. My dad actually bought it new when it was built in 2004 and then he sold it to, so how it works down here in Florida, a lot of times is you sell your house and your boat together. Hmm. So you, you know, my dad lived on a canal and had a boat behind the house. The guy that bought the boat or bought the house, bought the boat with the house. And then he uh, employed me and my dad to run the boat for him. Cause that's the best. The worst thing for a boat is to just leave it sitting. And, and the, these houses are a lot of times they're, um, they are uh, second homes, right? So they're mm. not utilized all the time. And so we got to run that boat for free. You know, we would just wow. do him a favor, go take the boat. And then the guy says, eventually he says, you know what? I just don't use the boat enough. Um, just go ahead and put it up for sale. And I said, I'll buy it, you know? So I bought it, moved it to a marina. And because we were the ones maintaining it, 
I knew that it was in good shape and that I loved oh, the yeah. boat and I loved running it. So I uh, moved it to a marina, kept it for another five years. I sold it a few years ago. The thing about a boat is once they, they reach a certain age, the cost of maintenance is just, it starts to skyrocket because all the mm-hmm. problems that happen with them. So I sold it and, um, I, you know, they say the best day of your life is when you buy a boat and then when you sell the boat. So, you know, that's it. <laughs> yep. Hey, Brian. So, it. Brian, so I have a kind of a bit of a weird question. So I had a person contact me for a hand forged knife and she lives on a boat in the Atlantic Ocean, like just offshore. She lives on the boat year round. And she wants a knife that's basically she can use in the kitchen, but also like cutting rope or other like, I, I don't know, I've, I've never been really that much on a boat. So I don't know what else like cutting rope or whatever. But how would high carbon, st- I imagine salt water would just absolutely destroy high carbon steel, right? Yes. So everything on that boat is in a constant state of corrosion. And mm. so you're even stainless will corrode, you know, the, you're basically floating in a big pool of corrosive liquid. And then that mm. corrosive liquid is splashing and evaporating and creating the same environment all around it. So stainless would be the way to go if you were going to sell her a knife. And, and then she would just obviously need to maintain it, keep it oiled. Gotcha. I don't know. I don't know what kind of knife you're going to be using in the kitchen and also in sailing. <laughs> well, I don't know you what know. you're going to make her that, that <laughs> cover both of those tasks, but, uh, you know, who knows? You know, basically just a shorter chef knife, like a five and a half inch chef knife. Yeah. I was thinking uh, like a, a seven inch petty knife or something like you could, you could yeah. do that with a thicker spine. So yeah. That, that's an, basically what I was going to go for is my K-tip chef shrunk down to five and a half inches so it could fit on a sheath on her belt. Mm. But, I just figured, you know, high carbon steel is what I normally work in and that would not fare well. So that would not work. Yeah. I I mean, it could work if she was really, um, good at at maintaining. Yeah. And not leaving Mm -hmm. the knife, Uh, maybe like an oiled leather sheath or saya could work to keep it. But then, you know, the tang is going to. Yeah, everything on that. There's a lot of things that are going to go wrong with this. Even aluminum, aluminum on these boats starts to corrode. Really? Um, you get galvanic corrosion. Yep. On these, wow. it is really a different animal. So every, every, the best thing I can suggest is a polished stainless steel blade. It has oh. to be super high polished because the, the polish is what, cor- you know, c- keeps the corrosion at bay. It, it's just, uh, there's nowhere for these little salt particles to land and embed themselves. Good to that know be because that, I will definitely stay away from that forge texture then because that, that just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yep. Yep. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, you could have that blade heat treated, or I could do it for you too down here. If you, you know, if you. Well, now I know my. And... Now I know my buddy Matt over here in Michigan. I'll oh. just have to run over again. Absolutely, and I, I've been doing a lot of research on different stainlesses and stuff, and I've been using that Magna Cut, which I'm sure you guys have heard of. Oh and, yeah. Uh, How's that so working far, for you? It's fantastic, man. I, I think that there's a little bit of hype behind it right now, uh, which is driving the price of buying the material up a little bit but the little i've been messing with it it's it's really incredible steel and i guess supposedly spiderco is changing out their salt line to use that magna cut steel for all their salt lines so if that i mean that to me you know they've done a lot of testing to decide on that so i mean that that says a lot to me you know 
Can you explain? I I know very little about Magna Cut, but I've heard the the rumblings of of people talking about it. Is this Dr. Laren Thomas's yes. custom blend? Yeah, and you know, I'm I don't know enough to get into the specifics of everything, but I read a lot about it, and uh, you know, so far from me testing it, the heat treats very simple on it. Obviously, if you have an even heat um, or whatever kiln, um, and the edge stability is, gosh, it's just very impressive steel. And like I said, it is kind of pricey, but, um, it sounded like when he designed it, he didn't even know that it was going to be as good as what it is, you know, listening to him talk about it and stuff. So, um, so far the little I've messed with it, it's super impressive. And I'm, I've actually got a couple big pieces of it here, uh, in the shop that I'm going to be making some more knives out of. And, uh, I'm really excited about it because, you know, I've messed with a lot of other stainlesses and I'm sure Brian, you probably have too, but, um, they all kind of lack in certain ways, you know, like I use a lot of 440C stainless, which has just incredible corrosion resistance, but I don't, and the edge holds up good. Okay. I'm not saying it doesn't hold up good, but this Magna Cut just seems the edge holds up good. It's got great corrosion re resistance. It's got great strength. I mean, it seems so far that it's just a really good all around, um, steel, especially if you're going to be doing it like something you said, using it around salt water and stuff like that. Mm. Looks like so I'm, I'm going to have to hunt for some Magna Cut. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that would probably be a great option. So, um, so Matt, tell me what your procedure is when you go to heat treat it. Is it similar to like an AEBL? Does it benefit from cryo treatment? And it says how, it do you does do the cryo? I had I didn't do cryo on that first batch I did, and and you know supposedly if you cryo it, you gain another one or two Rockwell on it or something like that. Which to me. That's not that's not really what it's all about. If you're at 60 Rockwell compared to 62 Rockwell, you know, it's like, is anybody going to really notice that? I'm not sure, you know, but I heat treated it very similar to how I do my 440C. And uh, don't quote me on the temperature I did, but I went right off of Laren Thomas's uh, write-up on it. And it heat treated very, very easy. It didn't warp. Everything was just, I mean... Really good, really, really good does, overall. Does it warp when you grind it? Uh, not, well, not with what I did, but I built a couple of my yeah, Trekker H model, which is kind of a smaller, like three, three and a half inch blade, fixed blade hunting knife. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't done like a chef knife out of it or anything like that to know if it does pick up that warp when you grind it like some steels do. I got you. So you were grinding it with a thicker spine, like correct, like, like an eighth inch or the the one about? I did was point one fifty, um, oh. and I think the billets I have are point one fifty as well. Um, okay. So yeah, and I heat treated them at full thickness. So I think what I'm going to do actually um, is I've got a couple new designs I'm working on right now, and I really want you. Maybe you guys will think this is dumb, but. Like I've seen a couple custom guys do stainless knives where they actually heat treat the knives after grinding the bevels all the way, you know, to whatever point zero twenty or whatever you want your edge thickness. And then the, the finished blade has those really cool heat treat colors that you get when you do stainless. And you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. And I'm not mad at that idea either. 
so yeah, so I'm, I'm going to experiment a little bit with the magna cut with that at heat treating it after you know grinding my bevels in all the way and then heat treating it and seeing if it you know is stable enough to not pick up those wild edge warps that you get sometimes with other steels if you grind them too thin before heat treat just thinking about that that surface like color like i i feel like that would go away pretty quick though i'm not sure there's a couple companies that do it bigger companies um and you know, as long-term use, I'm not sure. And that's why I want to mess around with a little bit and carry one for a while. Like I said, if I can successfully do it, I'm not sure. But um, I think it's just a really cool kind of custom look, you know what I mean, that not many people are doing right now. I think if you leave the spine thick, you shouldn't have any problems. I think you, you it sounds like to me, like I, if I just look at AEBL wrong, it warps. I'm I'm not kidding you. It gets very frustrating to me. And um, I'm working on a couple of projects that require me to hand freehand grind, which I'm not really all that great at. And it's because of the warping. So if you like, let's say you want to use a bevel jig to put your bevels on with AEBL, it, it's it's so deceptive it just it you know you you're, it warps in weird ways and in weird spots and so you de- you definitely just have to do it by hand so it sounds like to me if you were to leave it a little thicker on the spine and although you'd want to leave the color right so you wouldn't want any finish work afterwards it'd be, well, it'll be interesting to see what does come of this because i i'm fascinated by that too i think it's um one of the things I dislike about stainless is when people just really just clear everything off. I kind of like that carbon look and that layer and the colors mm. and everything that comes from it. So, so uh, this might be a dumb question, but would a hollow grind help with that at all? Or would that make it worse? Because I'm maybe it's just because I'm just starting to get into the hollow grind world because I just got that 12 inch wheel. Yeah. Um, w- would that, you know, that convex or concave surface help? keep it stronger like an yeah, probably beam or yeah. yeah it probably still warp on you though yeah yeah mm. but it would help i think you're right and you can correct the warp by just grinding the other side you know applying heat and friction to the other side but mm. it just adds another layer of things you have to think about you know while you're working with that uh steel and, and you know if you like if you're a high carbon steel guy and been you doing that for a long time it really throws you off initially um i i it just really did bother me initially because i and i shied away from stainless because of it for so long although there's uh, other types of stainless that don't do that so like magna cut's probably one of them i've never used it but s35 vn doesn't seem to do that you know warp is bad so hmm interesting yeah yep 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 so, uh, all right, listen, um, Matt, tell me about your journey. I know a little bit about your your life, as in you're a full-time knife maker and, how, and the path that led you there. I'd love to know a little bit about Matt before not full-time knife making and what the transition looked like and how you kind of got into working with steel and knives. Right on, right on. So... Man, this might be a long story, guys. I don't know. We're here for it, man. We're here. I'm <laughs> no, in. I'm I'll try invested. to short. I'll try to shorten it down as much as possible. So, I, uh, I think that it comes down to like I've always wanted to be able to, 
you know, work from home and, and be able to find something that you could do at home or, you know, in a small shop that you could make a living at and not have a boss telling you what to do. So like about, uh, I don't know, probably it's been 12 years, 10, 12 years ago, I started a small business with uh, one of my good buddies at the time. And we, we opened a, like a little car detailing shop where, you know, we would work for dealers and, you know, customers would come in, we'd clean their cars and do all that stuff. And it was a super labor intensive job. Um, you know, it just, it just wears you out. And unfortunately, you know, the money in it is just not <laughs> good enough for how much labor you have to put into it. So even owning the business and, and doing all that, uh, we had about five or six employees at a time and, you know, keeping employees and dealing with all the headaches that come with that. And it just got to where, you know, I was doing it every day and, and making it work, but I was always trying to find that next step. You know, I knew that when we started that business, um, I knew that that wasn't going to be what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Um, but it was better than working for somebody else. So, you know, I, I tinkered with a lot of different things over the years. Um, I used to actually buy and restore, uh, like vintage Honda mini bikes, like the Honda trail seventies and Z fifties. Um, for a couple of years, I was actually like, you know, going to flea markets and finding those things and restoring them in my garage. Like I had it, I had it all set up in my garage to where I was even like painting them and rebuilding the motors and, you know, basically doing these like full restorations on these little mini bikes. And it got to where I, it was kind of popular and I was doing quite a few of them. And, um, I had a lot of people that would come in and just, it's actually surprising how many people still own those and find the like nostalgia of them really cool, you know, because everybody had them. That's like, if you're like 50 years old, 55 years old, you know, everybody had one back in the day, I guess, you know? So anyways, I was working on those a lot and, and it was kind of one of those things where I was able to, you know, work my normal job, come home at night and I'd tinker with those a little bit. And, but it, it's kind of the same deal. It's like, you know, how, how far did I want to take that? And it just, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that I could see doing, you know, super long term. So I was tinkering with that and just doing a bunch of other little stuff here and there. And I started, uh, kind of, I mean, I've always been into knives, but I started watching some YouTube videos and I was talking to B Cohn about this the other day and how watching, um, Jeremy at simple little life do a lot of his full build videos. And that's honestly what got me kind of started at making knives and kind of interested in it because it just, he, he made videos that were super achievable. Like it just, you watch them and you say, well, I could probably do that. So I started tinkering with that a little bit and making a few knives and um, kind of the same story that everybody says is I'd sell them to buddies or, you know, maybe people that clients that at my other job and, and it just got to where I started to take on a few orders and basically for a few years, 
I had orders booked out for a couple months and I'd get up at like, like six o'clock in the morning. I'd go out in the garage. I had a little shop set up with real basic tools and I'd work out there till about nine and then go into the detail shop and, you know, do that job. But, but it just got kind of to where it grew really fast. And, and, you know, I was getting a little bit better at doing it and, and it finally got to where I'm like, maybe I should really look into doing this full time and kind of just told my business partner that I wanted to try to do this. And I, so I sold my half of that business and, uh, went full time. And now it's been a couple of years of doing it full time. And it's just, uh, I mean, it's crazy how busy I am right now. It's kind of, it's overwhelming actually, but, um, I feel really lucky, um, that it's worked out how it has. I mean, luck is kind of a weird word to use for it because I've worked my ass off to get here. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it, uh, it's kind of what I want. I want to be able to work from home. I have my shop set up now in my garage that B cone saw. Um, and it's not anything super crazy, but I'm able to make it work and there's no overhead, which, um, I'm sure Brian house understands that whole aspect of how much overhead can kill you. Um, you know, at my other, shop there we had you know about twelve thirteen hundred dollars a month going out just in rent and all the little stuff you know and just taking that off the top has really made it to where you know it doesn't take a whole lot to be successful when you can do it at your house and keep that overhead low so yeah i mean your your situation is literally my dream because like and I just want to go back for a second. Like literally your story getting into knife making is exactly, exactly to the T what mine was right down to simple life being, you know, where I learned most of my beginner skills and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, your, your shop is fantastic. I mean, it, it's, it's like you said, it's in a, it's in a garage, it's at home, but like, isn't that kind of the dream though? Like you're working from home, you're, you know, you're two steps away from, you know, your, your family. And like, at all times you, you could like stop and like go, you know, hang out with the wife or the kid or the whatever. Like, I just feel like you're in a perfect prime position and you're also, you know, you're still growing and it's, it's just, it's awesome to see. Yeah. I, I like it that way. I mean, some people, I think that some people don't want to have to work at home because they have to be able to separate you know, work from home and it, work life from home, home life, I guess would be a way to put it. And, uh, but I've kind of adapted to it and made it, made it work pretty good. I mean, it's hard sometimes to, to turn off the work mode when you've got, you know, messages coming in and dealing with everything. And somebody asks a question, you got to go out in the shop at night and figure something out. But it's, you know, it's like anything, you know, you just have to do whatever works for you. And, and like I said, some people do better when they say I'm leaving to go to work and they work, they're done, they come home and they turn it off. And for me, I like being able to do what I need to do. If I want to go out there and work for a couple hours on a Sunday to catch up, I can do it. If I want to, you know, take, you know, it just works out for me. And I think everybody's different, but, um, so far I've, I've turned that shop into something that I'm, I'm happy to go out in, um, every day. And I mean, I've got a lot of cool stuff planned for the future that maybe we'll talk about, but I kind of tore that whole, it's a two car garage. I 
insulated the whole thing. I put a ceiling up. It's all drywalled and painted and you know, I've got the heater put up. I wired in everything to be able to run all my grinders and my even heat and everything. So as of right now, it's set up, it's set up pretty good and, and it works for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the dream for sure. It's, um, what, what are you at? Probably about a, about a full car and a half worth of space. What, Maybe, what's what's like the what's the blueprint like how much space are you taking up in your garage well roughly? it's a full two-car garage and i pretty much use the one side of it i think it's about 16 foot deep um and and it's you know you were in it it's a little bit tight when you bring in enough camera gear to film a netflix series like <laughs> yeah. you guys did which maybe we'll talk about that later too but um, i was wondering where all that shit came from i was like wait is oh that my Matt? gosh is that matt's stuff and then i saw the picture with kyle and i was like oh, oh kyle's there now i understand okay <laughs> yeah that's that's uh kyle's gear with the the two giant you know one of those umbrella lights i'm not exactly like softbox is it called yeah, it's a softbox. I have a bunch of them. They're great. I mean, if you really want to get your lighting game figured oh, yeah. out, those softboxes are the way to go. In fact, in my new workshop here, I've I've purchased them. I haven't installed them yet. But you guys know what Unistrut is? It's like that uh, stuff. It's like um, it's kind of like a U-shaped tube, like steel with holes in it, and they use it to mount like air conditioners and other stuff. And lighting oh yeah, and yeah, I know else. what you're talking sure. about. I use that, and I make custom little rails uh, with with little um, wheels that run on those on the inside, and then I mount my the I have the the ones for my new workshop uh, are huge. So in my old shop, I had like four foot versions of these. I have eight foot versions of them now because oh, I have geez. so much head space, and I want to be able to flood this soft light down on my work, and so. Um, yeah, so they're, they're, those all be on like tracks, so you can roll them around and move them, and then they're on pulleys, just like you would be in a, like a soundstage or a studio. Because mm-hmm. the goal really is for the space to become, you know, more production based, and you know, con- creating more content, pushing more content out that's like really good, high quality content for YouTube, and that lighting is just a big is a big part of that. Dude, that soft that top down softbox light is going to be dramatic as hell. That's going to be awesome. It is. It gives everything kind of this um, sort of a very cinematic feel, you know, yeah. and then you, you couple that with a very short lens, like a 50 millimeter f- uh, single, uh, what do they call that? Uh, fixed. Uh, yeah, the nifty 50 single uh, face, uh, not single face, uh, fixed lens that is, you know, you basically Wait, have to have a lot of, you know, stuff. You have between. a three phase lens, three phase. Is that <laughs> two twenty power? Or? I'm telling you, man, it's all starting to blend together in my mind. Yeah, I'm all <laughs> motors and everything else are in my head, and then I'm like, wait a minute, it's a single phase lens. No, I mean a fixed lens, a fixed, a fixed lens. <laughs> so, yeah, Brian, I, how big is that shop? What's the how roughly? It is uh, about thirteen hundred square feet on the floor, and then we have the. 350 square foot mezzanine above so uh that and it's doesn't got really tall, extend. tall ceilings right like it looks like it's super yeah. tall yeah the yeah. building is 22 feet tall and okay. then and the inside wow. there's girders in here that hold the ceiling up so then you've got about 20 feet from the the concrete slab to those girders you have about 20 usable feet so you can get a, a pretty significant amount of rise if you'd like uh, but, uh, yeah, so I built the mezzanine, you know, you saw all that on Instagram just to oh, yeah. kind of move, you know, 
I, my goal is to buy the, so this is like a building, right? Where you can buy individual compartments inside the building. And, and I think there's probably like, I don't know, 10 or 20, there's gotta be more than that. It's probably like 20 total units. My goal is to buy the one either behind me or to my left so that I would be able to have just a big cutout where you could walk between them. And then you'd have one side that would be more dirty work where you can get dusty and dirty and loud. And then, and then the other side would be more of a kind of a, a packing parts, you know, administrative, that kind of thing. I it just, it takes a lot of money to do those things to, to <laughs> even to get where I am. It's just an enormous amount of money. So it's, it's, uh, so, you know, you know how some people have like a, a grinding room and a clean work room. Brian, you want a, a dirty shop and a clean shop. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. you got to have goals. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to have goals. You got to think big. You know, <laughs> I, I think it blows my mind that I'm even sitting in this room. Like I'm humbled by it. Like every time I look around and I go, wow, I, you know, we built this together and, you know, we're doing all this work and, and, and I was talking with Sarah this morning before I left and we were talking about the business and how the, everything is really moving forward and um, it, it doesn't feel real. You know, it really doesn't. Um, and like you said, Matt, it's you want to attribute some luck to the process of, you know, having some success. But it really does. The underlying factor is always hard work. And that's, you know, the more hard work you do, the better luck you have and and all of that. And I, I will say this and I say it almost all the time is that I have had advantages. You know, I know that I have definite advantages in this life. You know, being born in the one of the greatest countries in the world, the United States of America, and all the way down to my skin color, I know I have advantages and, and I don't take that lightly. So when I see somebody doing something that's trying to rise themselves up and get better and do more and be better, I like to I like to highlight those things. And that's the reason why I think I resonate with your work so much, Matt, is because uh, and I didn't know your story about your car detailing business at all. I had no oh, okay. idea that that made it. I, I had not no no prior knowledge. Other, let me tell you something. I found so the origin story of how I discovered you. I actually found you on YouTube first. Wow. And your YouTube channel, uh, so if you're not aware, so Matt Gentry has a YouTube channel and he also has an Instagram feed. His Instagram feed is by far heavier as far as followership goes. But his uh, YouTube channel, you you tend to blend some of that same content that you're releasing on Instagram over to YouTube, and I think that's a good strategy. He has 3,000 subscribers, just a smidge over 3,000 subscribers right now. So if you're on YouTube and you want to go find Matt on there, I uh, highly recommend watching his uh, content on YouTube because it, you'll find him under the, uh, the handle Gentry Custom Knives. It's all one word on YouTube. Um, the, the thing about, I think what I really like about your social media presence is how much I think you're, uh, how do I put this without like, just, um, sounding weird, but, uh, like, like how much you enjoy the work of what you're doing and how much you enjoy educating others. So you're, you're always, you know, sharing like, Hey, this is what I'm doing and this is why. And, you know, you're making it make sense to whoever's watching it. And then you're doing it in a way that where you're not like condescending at all. You know, you're just very kind and humble. And I think that's a super important component to creating pretty much any successful uh, business that revolves around social media as your marketing engine, because 
I've said this in the past, there's a bunch of people that should be successful in these endeavors and they're not. And it's just because they're simply not likable. And that's, you know, not their fault. You know, it's just, uh, you know, they're just, they didn't, they didn't tap into that. Like, Hey, I gotta be kind of like more humble or I have to have more uh, strong communication skills and things like that. You have all of those things. And I think, and your artwork, by the way, your, your work that you're doing is top notch, super clean, high quality stuff. So that, coupled with the fact that you're super likable, you're a kind man, good good dude all around. It it just equates to success. Plus, you're you're a part of this um working force, a working class guy who said, "I don't want to work for someone else and I'm really willing to try anything to get out of it. Take risks and go do that." Uh, I will tell you, car detailing, you're right about that. It, it, it's a really I would imagine heavily labor intensive work that uh, is, you know, doesn't pay back much. You know, you're probably working really hard for that money, but yeah. it, what it did was it gave you an, it, like when I started my soap company, the first business I ever started, I was 21, 22 years old soap company. And I, you know, I, I figured it out. It was like, wow, it's going to take a lot of bars of soap to make the rent. You know, I got, I got to sell a lot of these $5 bars of soap. And, and that was the takeaway. I didn't fail. You know, I failed that business failed, but I didn't fail. I walked away with all that education like you did with your, I appreciate uh, you saying all that stuff, you know, and I think that everything, everything happens for a reason and you do all these things for certain reasons. And, you know, for me, what happened is when I was right out of high school, you know, I went and worked with my dad, which he worked for a, he's been in the car business his whole life. And, you know, he was a used car manager at a, at a car lot kind of local to us. And he got me in there cleaning cars out back there. And one day, uh, the, the GM there paged me up to his office and he says, you know, after I'd been working there for a couple of years and he says, Hey man, just letting you know, I just fired your dad. And, uh, but I still want you to work. You're a hard worker and I, and I appreciate you and I don't want any hard feelings. And, at that point, you know, that hit me pretty hard because, you know, my dad, I've always looked up to him. He's always been just such a hard worker, you know, and I thought, man, this place, you know, just fired him for whatever political reasons, whatever it was. And now he's out on his ass, not, you know, and doesn't have a job. I said, I'm never going to be in that position. And, and when he got, when he was late, which this was, this was a long time ago now, he then went and started his own business and he's extremely successful now with what he's doing. And, and it really, sometimes you need stuff like that to happen for you to realize how, you know, you're so replaceable at whatever job you have, you know, there is good companies out there, but there's a lot more bad companies than good companies to work for. And I just didn't want to ever be in that position to where, you know, I have a four and a half year old son right now. I never wanted to worry about somebody else's day to put food on the table for him. It's all on me. You know, if, if we're not, if I'm not providing for him, it's my fault. You know what I mean? It's not because I got fired for some dumb reason or whatever. You know what I mean? You have the same story that Jeremy over at Simple Life, Simple Little Life has, and the same story as I have, because it was the exact same thing. Uh, you know, people who are above you in rank in a business are the ones that decide whether or not you're going to have uh, a continued financial future. And that is, you know, such a scary thing. You know, I mean, I would much rather work 80 hours a week for myself 
than 40 hours a week for somebody who could flip a switch and fire me in a second and not even think twice about it. And I'll tell you, and, and like you said, there's good companies out there. I'm sure there's a ton of them out there. But we don't have a lot of workers' rights in the U.S. And I know the state of Florida is like crazy. Like I was an employer for a long time. So, you know, we ha- we're considered a right-to-work state. I don't know how Michigan handles it. But as an employer, I could fire anybody for any reason at all at any time. Anytime wow. and have zero repercussions from it. Like literally just, uh, you looked at me wrong. Goodbye. You know, and and, and I get it. It, It's like that they're trying to protect, you know, uh, employers because people did take advantage of me as an employer. So I, I know what that felt like and that sucked, but it's a lot more on the opposite on the converse. There's a lot more of, uh, owners and managers taking advantage of staff than there are staff taking advantage of the owners. So, you know, that, Coupled with the fact that I went through the 2008 financial recession, which I like to call the, uh, you know, the more modern depression, that really set a deep-seated sort of uh, energy in me that is always looking to keep one step ahead, always, you know, just where can we go from here? Okay, you know, tomorrow this may be gone, so what's the next step? What happens if tomorrow that we, you know, we can't sell knives anymore, we can't sell grinders anymore, or I can't make content anymore? What do we do? What's our contingency plan? And that old saying of uh, one is none and two is one, that, you know, that has been my life, you know, since 2008, really, you know. So it's it's one of those things where it's just like, all right, I'm doing this. I'm not going to rely on somebody else to make my make my rent. I'm going to do Absolutely. it myself. Absolutely. And, and it's not about it. It's not about your your grinder business or, you know, Brian Cohn's knife business or my knife business. It's just, it's about if somebody stopped buying grinders tomorrow, you'd figure something else out because you have that mindset. And it's the same thing with me. It's not like I'm some weirdo that's obsessed with knives. It's just, I'm, I'm okay at making them. There's people that are way better than me, but it's all about the mindset of just creating that business and, and, you know, like the podcast, just working for it and making it happen with whatever's thrown at you. And luckily for me, the knife thing kind of just worked out. Um, I really enjoyed doing it. And, but like I said, it's all about just having the right mindset. And if I had to start, you know, making stuffed animals tomorrow to, you know, feed my family, that's what I do. And I'd make it happen somehow, you know? I love it, man. I love it. That's a great philosophy. And you're right. It's all about the habits, you know, that you're bringing with you, no matter what endeavor you're, you're taking on, you're taking those habits and you're applying them to every single thing you do, bringing your best every single day to whatever it is you do. And that's the important part of success, which I like to define as grit. You know, it's just I like making it. it happen. Yeah, making I like it happen. It. That should maybe be on a T-shirt. Maybe you need to start a little T-shirt side hustle there, Brian. Man, I'll tell you what. If there was money in merch, I'd do it. I, I know. I, there's no. <laughs> everyone tells me about this. I don't know. I, I, the merch game is tough. It is a tough endeavor to make money at that. Man, I love my hustle and grind T-shirt. but you It's know. true. I, I buy shirts uh, for from all these people that are in my sphere. And, and I, and every time I wear one, I love that. So I know that it, but I know that at the same time, when I bought that shirt, that person probably made like six bucks or something, you know what I mean? It just wasn't, it wasn't, didn't put any money in their pocket, but it is another form of support. 
like if I were to wear that shirt during uh, making a video or something, that that could help them along. Um, but I, th- I fe- feel like I could put my energy into other things uh, that would be way more profitable time-wise, I think. So, sure. Um, but uh, well, all right. So sh- real quick, Brian, um, I wanted to shift gears just slightly to discuss um, – couple things i know you've got a raffle going on right now i don't know is it full yet no not even close so i started off with 50 tickets and i'm down to 20 they're 15 dollars a spot i mean i also like i i've been kind of pushing it i've basically been making every every round number so you know 40 tickets left 30 tickets left 25 tickets left type of making a post putting it out there and um i don't know it's well i think the one big issue is that it seems like everyone and their brother is doing a raffle right now, which is fine. That's awesome. I just had some bad timing to. Uh, be it's in the almost of as that. if you guys all got together and you're like, "Listen, we've got you know eight different pieces here. We want to raffle off. Let's all do it at the same time." It's so strange. <laughs> I'm seeing raffle after raffle after raffle after raffle yeah. in my feed, and uh, you're right. It's saturated. It's a saturated market. But here, here's what I want to. Here's what I want to say to you. Let this thing roll out. You know, if it takes another couple of weeks to sell this remaining 20 tickets, you said they're $15 a piece, right? Correct. And you get a okay. sticker. Um, and you so get it's a not sticker. Like it's not like you're just throwing that $15 into the wind. You know, at least you're getting something for your, for, right. for your money. No, of course. And you're also supporting Brian's work if you buy into his raffles. So go check it out on his Instagram feed. Now, did you uh, push this on YouTube as well? No, but I'm going to do um, a short. Maybe the, I was going to do either a short or a live stream, or maybe all of the all of the above. Basically, just showing it off. I I, I was planning yeah. on letting it go through this week, and then probably fr- Friday or Saturday doing a short or a you know a, a let, let live me tell you my perspective. It. Let me tell you my perspective on it. I let it go until you sell the remaining tickets. Don't don't uh, cut yourself short on that because I think it's no one cares. We'll all wait, you know, for this thing to 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 finish out. And it's really more about the support than anything else. So just sure. understand that. And you know what? Hey, everybody else is doing the raffles. Ryan over at um, Ryan Chadborn Knife Works. He's also doing a waffle. I think Nick Tobin did one, too, but I think his is sold out. I don't know. Go check it out if you're if you're into that. Do we want to um, go over to the that. WFI waffles real quick? Well, I don't know if there's anything there, but let's look. <laughs> there's quite a few for me. <laughs> 31 posts. All right, let's check it out. I think like 30 of them is probably. Uh... Okay. Oh, you know who else has one? This is good that we did this is because Mark Vanderwerf is doing this. And I bought into yeah. this one because I want this knife. I really want this knife. No offense. I'm not. I'm, I like your knife, Brian. I just I wanted to support uh, Mark in his endeavor. Uh, I just, uh, bought into that. And then I don't, I think that's the, oh, we, you know what? Um, we did buy into nickel, uh, nickel, Nick, <laughs> let's start calling Nick, uh, pickle cutters, uh, nickel, but, uh, we bought into that one too. So just to get in on that, but yeah, so we've got Mark Vanderwerf. We've got Ryan Oak Chadborn, uh, knife works and he's got a, a thing up here. Let's see. Ryan Chadborn knife works. Yeah. That's on Instagram. So he's also doing a fifteen dollar spot. Yeah, he has Mark he has a video here. Do you want me to play it real quick? Yeah, play it. You gotta unmute it. Oh, 
He's just showing it off. He's not talking over it. Oh, okay. Bad. Okay. Yeah. Well, no I, then, I got to see it. You guys didn't get to. That's really, <laughs> really great uh, podcast material right there. Sorry about that's that. That's okay. That's all right. So the, in the, and the, what I, again, I love your, your moment of Zen with these, the, the <laughs> knife in the log by the river and the snow and the ice and the sticker that you've, you've cleverly placed on the log. I love it, man. And yeah, I, I love the that. handle. The handle on your offset serrated bread knife is fantastic. God, that's a beautiful handle. Yeah, it's like a turquoise dyed boina burl. So, yeah. oh, really? Okay, yeah. that's why I like it. I love that that wood. I can't pronounce the name, but I love boina. Isn't that like? Isn't that just another way to say like buckeye burl? Or is, are those two different types of woods? I'm I'm not sure. I think they're Where's two ben? different types of wood. Ben, uh, where ben, are you? Ben, we got a wood Matt question. <laughs> What it? What was it now? A boinia is that buckeye burl? It's two different woods, I believe. Two different I'm types. I'm not of sure. Trees. To be honest with you, I can't keep track of all the different woods that you know everybody's putting out and stuff. And it's like I'll order, you know, ten different blocks from different people, and I can't keep track of them. So I have to write. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth, so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape. Or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today. And view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Got them. You know, what's this one? Where did it come from? I can't remember all that stuff, you know. I am with you. I, I forget. Like the second I buy it, I'm like looking at it. I'm going, what What, what did I buy this? here? What is this? <laughs> yeah, I'm buying. I've just bought some African blackwood last night um, on eBay. What are you doing I'm with finishing, that one? Well, I'm finishing this Damascus piece, this real busy knife that I made. I, I just went full bore busy on it and did all the file work and the jimping and then, you know, put all kinds of weird bevels on it and stuff. So... I'm going to go real dark with the handle, simple dark, because the rest of the knife is very, very, you know, there's a lot going on. Uh, but uh, I think it's going to turn out good. Awesome. I'm excited to yeah. see that. Yeah. For sure, for so, sure. And then before we get into WFI projects, because we're going to shift gears into that, I want to say thank you to our patrons. And um, this now has, this is getting out of control. We now have 43 if you can imagine, wow, 43. Nice, nice. Yeah, 43 patrons here on the Work For It podcast. And I'm going to do my best to read all of these now. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like you need to record it once and I'll just play it. You know, I, Well, if I record it once, then every week we're getting more. So it's just... Uh, that's um, a good point. It's a good point. We'll have to do it every week. But I here's the thing. What we've, what I've discovered is, is that it's like a cascading, you know, amount of support for what we're doing, and it, it is, um, it, it gives me goosebumps when I look at this list or when I get like an email that says like, hey, so and so joined up your, you know, is joining up as your patron, and I, I am humbled and just so grateful for this, for this financial assistance with doing the podcast because it pays for the software that we use. And then it's also buying us like better equipment and yeah. things like that, and puts puts us in a position where we can do cooler things. So, all right, Helen, let me go. Let me go down the list. So it's Mark Vanderwerf, our OG 
supporter, Mark Vanderwerf, Justin Miller of Florida Man Forge, Devin and Dustin O'Hara of the Art of Craftsmanship, Noah Bloomberg of Entiot River Forge. And I just quick want to shout out Noah because he's doing some really great stuff over at, uh, he's on the West West Coast, like in the Pacific Northwest, I believe. If you're not following Entiot River Forge, do it. Look him up, Noah Bloomberg on Instagram. He's making some really awesome content and taking some risks, making new things, and he has a sweet mustache. So that's a really important part. I, I didn't know uh, about my, that mustache. That's awesome. Go go look at some of his latest content. He's got it like waxed and everything. It's pretty sweet. Uh, I'm jealous, actually. Uh, Michael Nye, Jamie Blow, Jamie the Squid, Eric at Overall Maker Works, Bob Ryan, Brigham Kendell, Scott Wilkerson, Keith Drennan over at Blackthorn Concepts, a co-host of the Working, Hand, Working Hands podcast, Bob over in the UK, Brian Hooten of Hooten Knives, Jason Moss, our man in Texas, Mark LeBlanc. Oh, by the way, Brigham Kendell is not in Texas. I do not know why I thought he lived in Texas. He lives in Utah. He sent me that so, message too, and I like something no fired idea. in the, the back of my head last week when you said that. I was like, "Wait a second, no, that's not right." But then I wasn't sure enough to, to yeah. interrupt you. Oh. No, no, definitely Utah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, apologize for that, but Utah. Okay, so Mark LeBlanc, our man in Canada, Ken Kimna, Crafty Man Forge, James Hunsberger over at Hunsberger Pocket Knives, Cordoso Knives, Sean Michael Owen over at Moxie Engineering. KnifeMaterial.at, Moonshine Leatherworks, our prankster, Mr. Brian Absher over at Moonshine Leatherworks, The Working Hands Podcast. Another, I don't know if you listen to The Working Hands Podcast, but Keith purchased into the Revolution project, and I sent him a kit, uh, and he's building the Revolution. I, was mis- I misunderstood why he was doing it. I thought he was going to do it for the – doing, they're doing this fantastic thing called Make What You Fear. Have you guys been following this at all? I have not. I Somebody posted about it, and I was going to check into it a little bit. I didn't really know what it was about. So let me explain it to you, and I like this concept. It's a hashtag called Make What You Fear, right? And they're trying to get people to do things outside of their comfort zones. Okay, cool. So you're supposed to work with something you've, you've not done a lot of work with. It could be a tool. It could be a medium. And I chose fire because uh, I've had a sordid past with the with fire and i i wanted to work and build a a forge so i'm custom designing and building a forge and building it here in my workshop and then i'm going to be doing content around it and releasing content on that and it what it did was it kind of made me think like what do i need in my workshop what could i utilize and what scares me it's it's like either fire or my lathe, one of the two. I, both of those machines are are very – like I look at my lathe and go, gosh, I can make some cool shit on that, but not today. <laughs> so, and then you also think, gosh, this thing could kill me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Same with the forge, yeah, exactly. That's so, a really cool idea. I like that because it's so easy to just fall into doing kind of the same stuff you're comfortable with making every day and – it seems like every time somebody orders a knife that maybe I'm not completely comfortable with, I end up doing it and finishing it. And I'm like, man, this thing's awesome. And I've got, I actually had a customer recently order a, that wants a custom like K bar style knife. And, you know, if you guys have seen stuff I do, I don't do anything like that. So that makes me think maybe I should get in on this and maybe do a little content around that. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I urge you to, and also I urge you to listen to the Working Hands podcast while you're in your workshop. And hmm. and, and here and here's the reason why. I you know I talk a lot about different podcasts that I listen to, and a lot of these have you know thousands or tens of thousands of followers, and and uh, it's great to shout them out, and uh, you know like Knife Talk and Making It, and you know all these big podcasts that people listen to. Then you have smaller shows that are bringing themselves up over time. And Working Hands is one of those shows. It's Tony, it's Chad, and it's Keith. And they're all sort of, I think they're in different parts of the world. So, like, Tony's in Canada, Keith is in New Jersey, Chad is somewhere in the south. I want to say, like, uh, North Carolina or something like that. And and they're all buddies, right? And they've got an excellent work uh, working relationship where you you can tell that they know they've known each other for a long time. And it's a super easy listen. And the concept, again, is kind of like what we did here on the Work For It podcast where we bought, brought Ben in because he brings the wood component to the table where he's not just a knife maker, a steel worker, or a blacksmith. He brings all that great, you know, hey, I'm building, you know, making leather things and making things with wood and I build furniture. I like that concept because, again, it's so simple to just like, hey, I want to just hang out with knife makers and people who are working with steel. Um it's the fact that we're all working with di- different mediums and so are they, and they're in different levels and different stages of their careers that I really love. And it's an easy listen. So uh, cool. enough, uh, you know, uh, polishing the balls of the guys over at the Working Hands <laughs> podcast. I'll be over with that now. <laughs> uh, Ryan Coakley of Ryan's Chadbourne, Ryan Chadborn Knife Works, our general executive manager of wooden spoon carving and blacksmithing carol and jeanette racine over at kawa jeanette i don't know if you saw one of the last posts that she put up we'll talk about it in work for it podcast but she's doing some really cool stuff she stepped up her game her her wooden spoon game is just like it blew my mind and and you'll see it that for yourself if you look at wfi projects the hashtag on instagram it was crazy before. I can only imagine what it is now if you're saying it's Wait until you see up. what she's doing. Yeah, wait Cal. until you see what she's doing. She's doing some cool stuff. Oxford Blade Company over uh, Carolina Customs. Uh, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Our man, Lawrence Lake over at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. He is doing fantastic work north of the border in Canada, but he does ship to the U.S. So if you're in the United States and you want to look for belts, uh, knife materials, all different kinds of things. Uh, take advantage of the Canadian to USD conversion rate and look at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Richard Beck of Beck's Armory, another guy doing a side hustle, crushing it. Go check out Beck'sArmory.com. Jared Weaver, Leon Shanks of Two Birds Blade Works, Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knife Works. And um, I, I, don't, I, I cannot say enough good stuff about Dennis if you're not following him on his uh, Instagram and YouTube channels. Go check him out. And the second to last page of Blade Magazine has a full spread, full spread on the man. So you want to go check that out. Thomas Moberg of TMO Knives. Donnie Dulovich of Florida. Man, Donnie, we appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much. Bruce G. Carlson. Our man, Neil, over at Maximus Knives, who we had on last week. Brad Troxclair. Uh, Jared over at Echo Blades. Nate Wapole of Walrus Steel. Zach Byrne of Burn Blades. We appreciate you, Zach. Thank you so much, man. 
Full Steam Designs by Chris Powell. I don't know if you're following Chris Powell, but you need to. Full Steam Designs over on Instagram and YouTube. He's doing amazing things. And here's our latest three uh, uh, contributors to the Work For it podcast. We have Matthew Angel at ad.knifeworks on Instagram. Wesley Crum, Forged in Fire champion, Wesley Crum. And... Benjamin Mullins, BJ Mullins. We appreciate you, man. Benjamin Bump Mullins, we, oh, it's amazing. All these guys I've seen in my feed for years are now coming out of the woodwork and supporting the Work For it podcast, so we appreciate you. 43, all 43 of you, thank you so much wow. for making this show possible. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Wow. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> wow. Well, shoot, Matt, do we want to go over to WFI Projects? You want to check one out? or I'm all in, guys. Yeah, I I, uh, I always, you know, I'm watching that hashtag to see what's going on. And um, there's so many really, really cool people that post in here. And like you were talking about, those spoons that Coward Jeanette posts all the time. And it's like this new one, you can tell she, I mean, it's just incredible. It's so, it's so nice that... I wouldn't, it'd be hard to use it. You know, it's so, she used two different kinds of woods with like a brass or copper spacer. And to say that that's hand car, it's just, I can't even wrap my head around it to be honest Holy with you. Holy cow. I just found that post. That is gorgeous. That, that is just like, I mean, it's, it's hard to think like you would imagine if you saw that at a store, it's like, oh, wow, that's okay. That's, that's definitely, you know, machine made. Yeah, handmade and oh, that copper spacer. I wonder, I, I don't know if you guys have messed with copper, but I have had a lot of uh, failures when I tried to use copper as a spacer and a liner and stuff. So I'm wondering if she did a little pin or something in there to hold those all together. I'm not sure, but it looks fantastic. I know that. I've tried to do copper liners once, and I mean, it, it just, the, the glue failed just because it yeah. got dang hot. Yeah, um, I I do copper pins every once in a while, and I hate doing them because like you burn your finger every single time you you, know, you go to. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, they soak up heat and then they oh, warp and then uh, do all kinds of weird things. And and I'll tell you, if you're watching Kawa Jeanette's um, sort of rise up in social media, you know, like when I looked at this post last night, it had 93 comments on it. Wow. You know, I mean, I mean, that's just like if, if you look at somebody who's got 1,200 followers, I and mean, I think when we first started talking about her, she probably had like 300 followers or something. It's, it's just uh, it's just exponential growth. And here's the reason why. She takes a ton of time to set up her work and photograph it. And mm-hmm. then she takes also a ton of time to respond to comments when people are writing to her. Matt, you're an excellent example of this, and Brian as well. You understand how important just a simple response is to when someone comments on your work. She does all of these things and she is doing exceptionally unique work. So when you couple all those things together, you bring all that hard work together, you get all that good luck. And that's what's happening to her. So I love that about it. And she's another Canadian. She's up in uh, Alberta, I believe. Up, Up by Jeremy. Yeah, that's just awesome. I've just, you guys talked about her a little bit and I started following along and yeah, just really impressive. And like you said, unique, you know, and that's, I think why it stands out a little bit. Very unique hand carved spoons, man. Oh man. Who knew, right? 
I'll go ahead and take the next one. Um, this is Mark 118 Blades. I know we talk about him all the time, but he's doing this little scalpel thing. Hmm. Matt, Matt, do you huh. know anything about that? Well, let me let me talk know. about this real Seeing quick. Seeing this so, profile coming yeah, up. Yeah, it's a feed. really, really cool looking profile. <laughs> it, this one has, you know, it's got, um, is that a darker wood? I should have read the thing, but um, it looks like a, you know, black walnut style wood handle with some red, white, and blue, you know, inlays on there. Really cool jimping on the on the spine. Um, really cool file work further down the spine. Really nice looking knife. But Matt, do do you want to talk about this whole situation you're doing over there? Oh, we might as well get into it, right? So that was actually the first Mark One Eighteen Blades. That was the first submission into this uh, kind of knife oh. build along thing that I got put together. And yeah, it is pretty sweet. He went with the red, white, and blue theme and I'm liking it. And as you kind of scroll through the WFI project hashtag here, I'm seeing a lot of the scalpel builds, you know, with that hashtag along with the GCKBA hashtag, which is what everybody's using to kind of post their progress on this. And if you guys haven't heard about it, basically a few weeks ago, I came up with this idea to do a little build along over on my YouTube channel where I came up with this design. Actually, my wife completely designed this knife, um, and I had a really cool follower turn it into a PDF, which you guys know me. I'm kind of old school. I don't know exactly how that's done. Maybe it's easy. Maybe it's not. I'm not sure. Brian, you probably know. I, I know how it's done, yes. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's, a fa- it's a fairly easy concept now it's like the process of making it happen but it's if you do it wrong it can really screw things up scale wise so yeah no it was done really well the photos that i saw of it i'm curious matt though how many of those did you have to mail out okay so (laughs) i because i I am shocked that you didn't just email that to everybody and have them print it i i didn't realize it was going to turn into what it turned into so I didn't really think I was going to get into having to email out this PDF. So I posted that first YouTube video. And then the first day I got, I think I ended up mailing out 35 templates that I printed out, you know, got the stamps, hand wrote everybody's address. And luckily that same day, and I totally forget who sent it to me, I could find it. But he says, hey, this is kind of silly that you're doing this. I turned your drawing, which he just took a screenshot of the drawing from the YouTube video and turned it into that PDF file. So I was able to then email it to everybody that wanted to get okay. in on this challenge. Okay. All right. um, so you didn't end up like hand mailing out. Uh, you'd be doing this for like hours and days, I think. If I'd you still had be to doing it right now, you know, I yeah. still, no, but yeah. So we ended up doing 35 of them by hand. And then after that, I just told everybody, listen, I'm just going to email you and hopefully you have a printer to be able to do this. So there was a few people that said that they had some scaling issues, but um, they were able to get it worked out. And I think so far, I guess, let me go back. What happened is I made the first video. At the end of the video, I basically said, listen, this is going to be a build along for kind of anybody that's thought about getting into knife making. I'm going to make it really easy. It's a very simple design and make it to where anybody could build this knife at home with very simple tools. Now, at the end of that first video, I said, if you guys want to build this and submit your final build to me, I'll do a little voting and come up with a prize for whoever makes the coolest knife. Now, this is where it kind of got out of hand 
is I reached out and just shot an email to all the companies that I'm either have some sponsorships going with or that I just do business with a lot. And I shot out all those emails and about 95% of the people got back with me and said they love the idea and were sending in prizes. So it turned into something where I thought, you know, maybe the winner would end up getting like maybe a t-shirt and, you know, a set of scales to where I've got, I think about $4,000 worth of prizes now stacked up and we're going to do a first, second and third place for this build along. And it's really cool. I put the last part four video up yesterday or the day before. So it's all done. Now everybody can kind of go back, watch all those videos, build the knife. And it just has to be submitted by uh, March 1st, I think is what I have it set at to where we'll figure out all the judging and stuff. And it's just turned into a really cool, really cool thing that, um, you know, somebody's going to end up with, you know, a new grinder and a bunch of really cool prizes. Yeah, that is awesome. And I think the feedback you're getting from this goes to show you how engaged your social media community is around you. So that's well, like a yeah, huge win. Absolutely. I, I, when I first did it, I was just kind of an idea to create some content over on YouTube because like both you guys know, it's, you know, it's a job in itself to just try to create and put out a video every week. Um, and that's kind of where this came from. And it turned into a lot more and it's been an incredible amount of work um, to, you know, deal with the whole situation, you know, talking and working with all these sponsors and getting everything put together. Um, but I've learned a lot in the process and I'll definitely be doing more of them in the future because of how everybody has appreciated it. And I mean, I've had so many people email me just to say, that they appreciate what I'm doing. And, you know, like I said, it's been kind of stressful and a lot of work, but getting all that positive feedback from everybody has made it worth, made it worth it, you know? Yeah. And I think maybe just throwing this out there for the next round of these that you do, you should collaborate uh, and, and pass on some of that administrative work to, you know, say Brian Cohn. I'm volunteering you, Brian. Uh, and uh, he's not, he doesn't have anything going on. You can oh, just like, oh, send everything to man. him. Well, come on, give raffling him a break off offset on. serrated bread knives and whatever. And unsuccessfully, and then, I might add. <laughs> I'm just, I'm kidding. I, but wait, I'm I'm halfway kidding. Here's 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 what I'm going to suggest. Here's what I'm going to suggest. I, I think that this is such a fantastic concept that you, if you were to say team up with us and we were to do it all together, then you could say, uh, Brian, here's the concept I have. Make this a drawing, you know, create it as a PDF. Let's put it up on the website. We'll send people to housemade.us. They can download the template there. They can build along. And then we kind of do it as a, as a community a build along series that's based off of your design, you know, something along those lines. I think it's such a great concept because it gives people something to be a part of, especially in times like right now where a lot of us feel, you know, kind of alone and, you know, we're all sitting around going, okay, well, you know, I need a, I need an idea. And uh, I talk a little bit about this uh, uh, last week about just getting started is the hardest part sometimes. Yeah. But then so many when people, you, have said, hey, you know, I, you know, wasn't doing anything and this made me get out in my shop and start working on this knife. You know, I'm not trying to win the prize. I just 
you know, it's, this is really fun and I enjoy it. So you're 100% right. I love it. Great concept. And in the future, if you want help with it, just know that Brian Cohn will be the guy that will be helping you. Along I'll put all the grunt answer. work on him and uh, we can sit back and just see how it goes. Sounds good to me, man. I'll do it. <laughs> no. Well, a couple of the, that's the thing is I, you know, there's been some negative feedback on how I've done what I've done. And, you know, this is the first one I've done. So it's not, I, nothing set in stone with how I'm going to be doing them in the future. Um, but I think that's a fantastic idea. And also a couple of the, the sponsors have also reached out to me and want me to do them specifically for their brand as well. Um, so I'm not sure how that'll go, whether I have, you know, one going with a certain company at a time or, you know, I'm not sure, but it's really cool to just, you know, get some positive feedback on it. And, and it's been pretty fun. That's an interesting concept. So they're already trying to bogart what you're doing. That's, that's, uh, that means and, and, yeah, that's a, a successful thing. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of them are. Yeah. So yeah. who knows, who knows? Well, you, you, be- you got to tell them they need to pony up then, you know, that's yeah. The thing. Come if on, they... get that checkbook out guys. Come exactly. on, let's get it going. Exactly. Here, you know? no, you, you no, want you know. exclusive rights to this? Well, <laughs> it's going to cost you. Pony up. <laughs> there you go. I like the that's way it. you think there. I like the way you think. I'm, I see it from both sides because it is a valuable thing, you know, from a, from a sponsor standpoint, when you sponsor something like this and it gets this much traction, you're being exposed to potential customers that are the exact fit for what you're doing. So it, there is value there from, from that standpoint, because how else do you get in a room full of people that are potential customers? You know? Yes. And I think that's why so, you know, so many people jumped on board um, and they all kind of had that same attitude. Like they weren't like, well, I guess they, uh, people jumped on board and said, what do you, what do you need for me? What do you want to do? And, and that was really, you know, it opened my eyes a little bit to know that there is a little bit of value in this to these sponsors. And uh, so it makes it to where it's a, it's really a win win for kind of everybody, you know? I agree. I agree. I love it. Fantastic work on that, by the way. So if you want to get involved, what do you got to do? So well, just so, take me through the steps. I know you, are you done releasing this and people are, have you cut it off yet or are pe- people still joining up as we speak? Well, so here's my idea on the whole thing is, you know, whatever the date is today, what is it? Uh, it'll be the 10th when this airs. Um, you've got, so you'll still have what, about three weeks to build this knife. I'm not cutting it off. You know, you can start on it the day before it has to be submitted. But if you want one of these templates, which they're these little shop scalpel templates that hopefully you guys have seen, um, they're six inches long. They're a really small little blade. Um, You can email me and and basically maybe we'll put it in the show notes or whatever you want to do or go over to my YouTube channel. And I've got a four video series on step by step on how to build this. So like I was kind of saying, it suits the beginner you know, guy that really wants the instruction on how to build this knife and also maybe the more intermediate guy that just wants to do it for the competitive aspect of it. But I'm still sending out emails every day for people that are getting in on it. And luckily Alabama, Damascus and Vice Cutlery jumped on board to be able to send out the the actual water jet blank for this design oh. if if you don't have the tooling to maybe cut it out or whatever. So they jumped on board, which was really cool. Um, I know that they, of course, had some problems with their water jet 
and I'm not sure if it's back. You know, I know they sent out a ton of templates or a ton of blanks right away. And now people are asking me, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, you better talk with them and see if they got that thing up and running again. But they're, they've been really supportive of this. They're fantastic people to work with. I know I think both of you guys have used some of their steel. Um, but um, so they've helped out a lot with it. You can just, I, my, their contact is in all the videos that I've done. Get the blank sent to you. Um, and get rocking on it and just have it submitted by March 1st. And, and basically I've told people, because it's surprising actually, a lot of people say, well, I don't have Instagram, I don't have Facebook. And so you can email me your submission and I'll handle posting it. Hopefully it's not a million submissions or you can use that GCKBA hashtag on Instagram to submit it. Um, and then, and you can look there and see what everybody's doing. A lot of people are posting on that kind of their progress and stuff. So, so that's been really cool as well. Yeah. I'm looking here. Let's see. Um, I'm, I see that you have put up different versions of this, of this shop. Is wait, no, these are different. Oh no, this Where, is it. I'm looking at your page on Instagram. Well, so, I just, so my, so what I ended up doing is I built six of these scalpels, okay? And I did three in Alabama, Damascus, and three in 1075. That's and, it, yep. and the main one that I did for the build-along was Damascus, and I used a really nice uh, set of scales that were stabilized mango with a mammoth molar inlay. Um, oh, yeah. Just a really beautiful set of scales. And luckily, all these I did six of them, like I said, and these knives were small enough that I was able to use scrap pieces from other builds that I had saved for the handles for all these knives. And I already dropped these and sold them all um, the other day. I actually shipped them all out yesterday. But um, it was fun to build them and really see it come to life and hold it in your hand. And, and, and it's a great little blade. Um, I really... The design's cool, you know. You have 108 posts on that hashtag, GCKBA, wow. 108 posts. Very and cool. And so you, it is very cool because you, you're, I'm looking and just, I'm seeing actual, I'm a few knife makers that I actually don't know or follow on there. And I'm like, oh, I don't know that guy. I'm going to follow him. So I'm like going through it. So go make sure if you're listening to this, uh, check out GCKBA hashtag on Instagram and then check out if you're wanting to get involved in this, which I think it's just such a simple and easy knife to make too. That's the other part of this, but you can put your own spin on it uh, and then get, be a part of this. It's, it's such a neat concept, man. I mean, it's been and fun. you sold all the, all the, the, the six that you made already. Oh yeah. They all great. sold right away. Well, I've got, I've, you know, I've got a lot of really cool customers. That's what it comes down to. And I've got, you know, a couple guys that, want the first of everything. They'll say, listen, if you make a knife that's a new design or whatever, they want it. And that's, okay. it's really cool, you know? So they, yeah, they all sold really quick. And um, I got a lot of good feedback on the design. And I don't really plan on building a ton of them because I, like I said, my wife actually completely came up with this design um, and it was for this build along, but I did take, you know, a few people have ordered them and, you know, if it's a comfortable design and I came up with it, so I have no problem selling it. I've had, <laughs> I've had a lot of people reach out and say, Hey, what do you want? What am I supposed to do with this knife that I build when it's done? And, and I think it just comes down to, uh, you know, if people want to sell their build knives, that's fine. 
Um, I can't keep anybody from making my design. It, you know, it's just how it goes. It's kind of like you and the grinder deal. If somebody wants to build a grinder that you designed, just let them and let's move on and, and, and hope for the best, you know? Yeah. You can't, you can't get caught up in that whole thing. No. I, the, the, all these, I get people reaching out to me all the time. Look at this guy. He's copying you. He's doing that. And I was like, look, if you get caught up in that, that spin, it's just distracting you from what your real purpose is. You know, and um, exactly, I I've, I really truly believe that if somebody wants to duplicate your efforts and take credit for your work, it just looks bad on them. <laughs> I don't know. I just I yeah. can't. I can't. I don't. And I'm in no judgment. Hey, like I I make knives that are not my profile. Like I I and I'm clearly open about where I get the the idea, and I tell people like, look, this is a knife that so and so made. I loved it so much I wanted to make my own version of it and I made it and whatever and and I give that person credit. Now there are people that build the things that I build and and present it as their own work. And that's a a, a thread, that's like a commonality that has happened since the beginning of time, since the beginning of humans have been walking the earth. So it's okay. Just, it's, it's like, just let it go. Like just <laughs> exactly people are going to copy you and, and my ideas are not a hundred percent original either. So, you know, if, if you think about it in terms like that, we're all sharing concepts from each other and that's okay too. And I love the idea that people are doing something. They're not just sitting on a couch, eating chips, watching Netflix. They're <laughs> out there doing something not that there's anything wrong with that either because i do a whole lot of that as well but (laughs) yeah when i when i finish mine when i finish mine i'm definitely going to first of all i'm going to grind it super thin and i'm going to use it as my you know shop scalpel you know splitting scales or whatever else so yeah i think it's a fantastic design and yeah kudos on you man you mean i can't buy that knife from you brian Absolutely not. <laughs> Whatever. Don't eat. You'll sell that knife to him. Don't act like you won't. I mean, there's a price for everything. Exactly. <laughs> there you there go. There we go. There's the businessman I've been trying to pull out of you for all these years. Come on, man. Everything's everything is for sale. Everything yeah, is. Yeah. So Matt, looking forward right looking forward into the future, you know, I, I know we had talked a little bit how you know, you and Molly and, you know, are, are going to move on to a new spot and build your own shop. Do you want to talk about this, the shop you're kind of designing up? Well, yeah, I do. And, and I'd like to talk about it and get a little bit of feedback from both you guys on it, too, because, you know, and probably like a lot of people that are listening to this, um, my shop that I'm in right now is one that, you know, I've kind of put it together and made it work for what I'm doing. You know, it's a garage. It wasn't designed to be a knife shop. So what kind of long story short, I bought a piece of land. I bought six acres um, and it's just outside of town here where I live. And we're going to be building, hopefully in the spring, I'm going to start building my house out there and also um, my new knife shop. And so we've been kind of going over designing everything and figuring out, you know, just how much space I need or want and how to lay it all out as efficient as possible. And that's why I asked earlier, Brian, as how tall your ceilings were in that shop. Because for me, 
you know, it's more about having it be enough space to where I'm comfortable in all the time, but I also don't want it so big that it's inefficient to heat and cool all year round because, you know, I'm getting too old to be sweating out there in 90 degree heat in the summer and I keep my shop at 70 all winter long. So I, yeah. I want it to be wow, comfortable. Be nice. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> but I've designed it. It's small. It's small enough to where it's efficient and I can afford to heat it and it's not a big deal. So that's what, kind of moving forward. I've got a pretty big barn designed um, and then a little off side of that barn is going to be my knife shop with a nice little entrance. And it's going to be, it's going to be really cool if it all comes together, but trying to figure out, you know, the right sizing to where I can grow into it a little bit, but it's not so big that it's inefficient, uh, to heat and cool. There's been a lot of variables that I'm trying to figure out, but kind of like I was saying, it's really cool to be able to not just make something work, but make it to exactly how you want it and know that, you know, if all goes to plan, I'll be doing this until I retire. So it's, it's really exciting and I'm excited to break ground on it really. Well, at some point, you know what, we, <clears throat> we may want to take this conversation offline, but I'll tell you that uh, you do have some significant challenges ahead of you when you're, you know, because of the temp temperature swings, you know, that is yeah. a huge problem. And especially where you are, because you do get those hot months and then you get the majority of Michigan. It's a lot like the Midwest where I was, or it is the Midwest, I guess, but it's, it's cold, you know, it's chilly a lot. And that's uh, high ceilings are going to captivate the heat. So if you have real, real high ceilings, the heat's is going to rise up there and warm that, you know, top six feet or three feet of your shop. And that wouldn't be as efficient. So you may want to look at, you could build, say, a tall shop, but build uh, a, sh a shorter area like inside where you have kind of levels in there or at least build it to the point where you could do levels. So you could have your, you know, your space down below where it's easier to uh, temperature control. And then obviously I'd have doors on both sides. I mean, that yeah. would be my, my te, you know, to keep the heat down, you know, open both sides and just let the breeze blow through it and, oh. and clear out all and of that And also air. like just to, you know, blow all that grinder dust, open both sides, couple fans and, you know, I yep. mean, and have be... exhaust fans at the top of the peaks of both sides so that you can turn it on and create uh, flow, airflow, like, a, you know, sort of a synthetic a wind tunnel type situation where you could exhaust fumes and smoke and dust and all of that. Just little, little ideas, little concepts there uh, that you could deploy. And then if you had that, that structure built and it was taller ceilings, it's flexible on the inside. So then you can do different things. You know, you can kind of build it out as you go. You don't have to do it right away, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. And I would 100% to, two major pieces of advice <clears throat> when you build the structure have it foam insulated spray foam insulated top really to okay and and here's the reason why so a friend of mine andy miller he has a youtube channel he's a boat guy he lives in the um up near i think he's in the up now so he's he's up way a little further north than you but he's there and he's a shop guy but he rebuilds boats uh, I'll send you privately. I'll send you his channel. It's Boat Works Today. Uh, cool. He's a good friend of mine. Rebuilds sailboats and other boats, motorboats, and that kind of thing. 
Uh, he just built a shop. Uh, or he bought a property with a shop on it, but he went through all of the pricing of actually insulating the place. And zip foam was by far the best advantage. And wow. it, it, it really seals the building and then gives you the best R value possible. And then um, also wood burning stove inside the shop. And nice. that gives you heat and you can choose wood if you'd like uh, or propane or natural gas or whatever. And that gives you another layer of, of, you know, being able to temperature control your shop. So those are the two big ones that I took away from his channel and, and watching him build out his shop. And then he did a side, you know, he did like a, a lean to type situation on the outside where that could benefit you too. If you decided you, you wanted to get into forging uh, or blacksmithing and you wanted to have a coal forge or something outside, you could have like a little lean to on the outside of your shop, you know, so you may want to look into pouring another concrete slab, you know, on the outside just so you ha have that little area. Absolutely. A lot of good ideas here, guys. I know that. So I heat my house with a wood stove right now. And uh, if I, I don't know if I can handle two wood stoves going, you know, right now I've got electric heat out in the shop and I heat my like the whole inside of my house with a wood stove. So I don't know if I'll be doing that in the shop, but I like the way you think. Maybe a pellet stove. Those are easy. That'd be too. cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. Even something small just to you yeah. can fire it up and take the chill out of the air. You know, that Absolutely. Might, be a, might be a thing. I, we don't have that problem down here in Florida. It's all heat. You know, everything here is hot. <laughs> Very true. I, I don't have a wood burning stove in my workshop at all. I, I would love that. Nice ambiance. Just turn it on on YouTube. You know, you can watch the fire going on YouTube. Yeah, it's fun for about the first week. And then after you have to split, you know, all the wood and get it going every day, the funness and, and the ambiance wears off. It wears off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't miss it at all. I don't miss the cold. I don't, yeah. I, I don't like the heat either. I'm like, I'm getting like to the point in my life where I'm like, do I really want to spend the rest of my life in this Florida swamp? Like, I don't know. And then I go up north in the winter and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm ready to go back to Florida. It's tough down there in the summer. I've been down there in the summer a few times in the heat. Oh, man, it's rough. It's soup. Uh, it yeah, is a soupy it's soup. It's soup. <laughs> I, 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 every single day, I, I like to say I measure the temperature by how much powder I have to throw down my pants every day. So if, if it's a really hot day, I'm just baby powdering up. I got to keep things dry. I, man, it's crazy. You're buying you that get, stuff by the 55 gallon drum is what you're telling me. No, no kidding. When I buy it, I buy like 10 of it, 10 big bottles of it at the time. And I put them under my sink and my wife laughs. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't like going to the store that often. So, you know, I use this every day and I have to have this stock but, up. Uh, Stock up, keep yourself dry. You can get, um, what do they call that, trench rot? You can get that pretty pretty quick. Ooh, not here. good. Not All right, good. Michigan's sounding pretty good now. You, yeah, you know, I, I thought gonna, for a minute, nah, I'm sticking with Michigan. I was going to say, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I mean, it gets cold, but, like, you can always put on layers. That's <laughs> true. Trench rot. You're down here, you, walking you, you through the soup. Ugh. It is, man. You're dodging alligators and the whole thing. So, all right. Well, hey, listen, I am going to call that a show. Unless, Brian, you have anything else you'd like to discuss with well, Matt on. before we let him go? Matt, do you have a dad joke ready? Or, Brian, do you have one going? I sure don't. Oh, I have dad jokes on the ready. Hold on. Because I actually do. had a, I had somebody send me one, uh, and it's really good. So I'm trying to pull it up right now. Let me just see. You got your trombone ready, Brian? 
are we doing this all digital now where you're like uh you're you've got like a sound bite where you play the trombone sound oh I hear <laughs> no that's me <laughs> All right, so uh, this one comes from our man in Utah, Brigham Kendall. Did you know that sometimes that Bigfoot sometimes gets mistaken for a Sasquatch? Oh yeah, yeah. He doesn't like it, yet he never complains. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. That's a that is good. a really good it's one. A pretty like good that. one. Yeah. Hey, uh, he sent me another one. What do oh. what sound do porcupines make when they kiss? What sound? Ouch. All right, not as good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I no, give that, that one like I, a, couldn't I give, give that, that one like a C minus. Yeah, that, that's a uh, that's yeah. That was it's still pretty funny. I th- I like his stuff. <laughs> Him and Nate Wapole from Walrus Steel, they're always loading me up. Let me just find Nate real quick. Let's see. He he had another one. Cosmetic jokes are really difficult to make up. It's a pretty good one. And then he get, he sent a Roman numeral joke, which is d- really difficult to convey aud- with, via audio, so I won't read it. But it's like a really smart uh, Roman numeral joke, which I really like. Anyways, dad jokes <laughs> over, out, over and out. Is that a show, boys, or what? What are we at? Where are we at? Yeah, hour That'll and a half. That, I, think. I think that was a decent show. What do you think? I, I had a great time hanging out with Matt. Matt, you're welcome to come on the show at any time if well, you'd I like to join us. I appreciate you guys us. having me. I really, it was pretty fun, and I hope that uh, I hope people enjoyed listening, and maybe people go get in on the uh, build along. And I really appreciate you guys having me. Anytime, man. Anytime. It was great to have you on. Listen, everybody out there that's listening to the Work For podcast, whether you support us on Patreon or you just listen to the show, you send us dad jokes, you follow us on Instagram and all of those things, that is an enormous amount of support. And we truly appreciate you. I hope you guys all have a good working week moving forward. Hard work and good luck. My name is Brian House. I'm Brian Cohn. Matt, get in there. Come on. I'm Matt Gentry. Go give me a follow at Gentry Custom Knives. Yes. All right. We appreciate you guys. Have a great week. See you later. Work for it, guys. Work for it! Ben, we miss you. Goodbye. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.